and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Tripti Sidi, the Global Data and AI Center of Excellence lead at Avanad, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies adopt and utilize emerging digital solutions. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is part of a special series on women in AI that we are very excited about here at Fortress IQ, and Elizabeth Middleman from our marketing team, who has been the key driver of this special series, is participating in the session as well. On this episode, we are going to explore the women in technology gap. Some estimates put the number of unfilled tech jobs at more than 1 million, yet women hold fewer than 25% of all technology jobs. From gender bias to a shortage of mentors to company cultures, there are many reasons women are underrepresented in the sector. However, the bottom line is that not enough women are pursuing careers in tech. Fortunately, times are changing and some companies are taking important steps to attract more women employees. Avanad, the global consultancy, is a great example of a company taking a proactive approach. So this promises to be a fascinating discussion. Fortress IQ's Chief of Staff, Grace Chen, joins Elizabeth to drive the conversation with Tripti. Thanks again for tuning in to Hello Human and our special Women in AI mini-series. Tripti, thank you so much for joining us today. So you grew up in India and studied mechanical engineering and received a dual master's degree in operations research and industrial engineering from Penn State. And you've really worked across the world, including the US, UK, India, the Netherlands, to just name a few. And today you work at one of our very own partners, Avnod, as the leader of Data and AI Center of Intelligence. Can you take us back to the start of your journey in the world of tech and share some of the pivotal experiences that landed you where you are in your career today? Absolutely. And I just want to start, Grace, by thanking you for, for having me on this podcast. And if I go back to the very start of my journey, I, I never actually thought I would be in tech. As a kid, I love swimming, I love reading, and I really thought I would do English literature and, you know, go to Oxford. And, and somewhere around the way, I stumbled onto mechanical engineering. You know, still thought about the fact that I'd do an MBA and, and really move away from tech, even at that time. Still, I fell in love with something called operations research in my last year of mechanical engineering. And I think the whole mm -hmm. world of, you know, mathematical modeling and, you know, a little bit of economics, it just started really appealing to me. And I would say that was the first pivotal moment that really made me think long and hard about a career in tech. And, you know, I applied to Penn State. They had a great program for a dual master's and, and sort of, again, not only got the grounding, you know, in things like linear programming and stochastic modeling mm -hmm. and statistics, but also, you know, got a chance to work with marketing departments and do things like gaming theory and supply chain analytics and, and really get like that first grounding of how some of these mathematical concepts and technology concepts actually impact the business. I think moving, you know, on from there, I I would say maybe one of my next pivotal moments. I worked a lot in industry. I, I you know, worked for the financial services company. I worked in manufacturing. But then I think my move to consulting, I would say, was another shift, you know, just the ability at a pretty young age, I was given the opportunity to set up the offshore analytics practice for Capgemini, which is the company I was with then. And again, this opportunity to grow out a team, you know, who that does 
what was then called analytics or AI as part of broader advisory or consulting pieces, I think was was quite pivotal for me. And, and you know, everything around with that, I got the opportunity to move to London, you know, work with clients, deliver projects, you know, be part of a global team. And then finally, I think Avenard was just the next step in the journey where, you know, again, I got the opportunity to, to set up our AI practice for Europe. I got a chance to do a lot of mentorship, speaking engagements, and, and really take a step forward in, in certain other dimensions as well. And, and also, Grace, you know, finally moving to Seattle. You rightly said I've moved around a lot, but I just look at it as a lot of opportunity and, and a lot of global experience. So I think for me, it's not been one pivotal moment. It's, it's just been a thread mm-hmm. of experiences building on top of each other. And I think the openness to trying new things and, and sort of still staying very people-oriented and very customer-oriented, mm-hmm. I think, remain the most pivotal points for me. That's that's incredible. You were the, the first data scientist hired at Avanade. Can you share more about that experience and really, you know, how you were able to scale your team, department, and practice? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was such a great opportunity when Avanade came to me and, and talked about the fact that, you know, Microsoft obviously is making huge strides in, in the field of data science and AI. And, you know, we really wanted to grow out our practice just given, you know, the structure of Avanade and who we are. And so I, I actually joined, spent my first year in the Netherlands because there was a lot of opportunity. And, you know, when you talk about growing out a practice, it starts with the fundamental building blocks, right? So what are the mm-hmm. first opportunities that you know, we find in the market to sell these new concepts of AI and machine learning, and they're not really new, they've been around forever, but, but you know, really help our clients come on this journey with us. You know, there was a lot of capability building. So both hiring externally, I remembered my first year, we hired 50 data scientists in Europe wow. to different geographies, you know, but also creating training programs and upskilling our own talent that you know, had a lot of interest in the space as well, making sure we had the right partners in our journey, you know, like yourselves and, you know, other partners that we work with. So, so making sure that we have the right ecosystem. And then finally, making sure we think about the industry and the use cases and, and what assets we could build. So I think step by step, you know, a lot of things started falling in place and we continued to sort of grow out on this journey. And then sort of two and a half years into my journey with Avanade, I, I got the opportunity to move to the US and, and also grow out our AI capabilities in our global center of excellence. And this again, you know, gave a lot of momentum, I think, to the practice to be able to have a global team that is kind of tip of the sphere doing some really, you know, leading edge things. And and it's it's just really grown from there. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Absolutely. I I have to agree. It really is amazing, especially being one of the first female and, you know, data scientists hired at your organization. That's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you, Tripti and Grace. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Tripti, you started with a rigorous academic path in engineering and you had an interest in operations research. And now fast forward to today where your everyday role is immersed in cutting edge data and AI. As we all know, technology has changed and advanced immensely over the years and will only continue to do so. And you had previously mentioned taking the business angle is equally important Mm -hmm. in technology. 
So how do you think the decisions you have made in your career path in technology have allowed you to come to that insight today? So the first moment in my career where I really understood the importance of business and technology and in AI actually came when I was working with Prudential, which is a UK-based financial mm-hmm. services company. And you know, I was pretty much what the data scientist or the analytics person doing reporting, creating, you know, machine learning algorithms, sort of crunching out data, right, and creating some insights. And my then, you know, boss who was super supportive said, I actually want you to lead two of our products or, or portfolios from a sales and marketing perspective. So he gave me their annuities and their maturity life and you know mature life and pensions portfolios. And now I really understood not just the fact that, okay, I need to predict the risk of a customer leaving or as we'd say in the insurance business lapsing, but I also need to understand how the message to that customer should be crafted out. You know, what's the right channel that the customer will respond to? You know, what's the cost of that message? You know, how does a contact center work? And how many leads can genuinely get prioritized in a day? And I think it got me to that realization that the best model predictions can fail if you know, the marketing, the sales, the, you know, the, all the aspects around it are, are not in place. So the strategy is not in place. The change management is not in place. So I think that was really an eye opener for me to see, you know, how some of the things we did with technology and, and AI were actually used in practice. And I, I think a lot of this learning sparked my move to consulting. And, and here it just got you know, strengthen more and more, right? I, I talked about, you know, when I joined Capgemini, I, one of the things that excited me is that I joined as part of their consulting business. So really using analytics and AI to drive larger digital transformations or business transformations and, you know, the ability to work with different clients in different industries with different business problems at the end of the day that we're trying to solve. I think just strengthen that and, and Avanade just took it, I think, many steps further. So, so that's, you know, at least my journey and, and you know, that's what sort of sparked my understanding of, of the interplay really between business and, and technology. Mm-hmm. And learning more about how your perspective has altered, how do you think companies' business goals and priorities have shifted when having the intention around using AI? So I, one of the things I see, you know, maybe if I look at when I just started five years back in, in Avanade, you know, a lot of companies were experimenting with AI. It was a cool, you know, trendy buzzword. You know, companies were trying to get their arms around it. And I think now I see the pivot of companies really wanting to solve problems that matter using the power of AI. You know, I think a lot of companies and clients we talked to have admitted that projects have failed due to project delivery missteps or lack of sufficient governance or lack of a human-centered design. So I think, you know, this whole piece of AI being used to solve business outcomes, being used to have a human impact, we're seeing more and more companies shift towards that. And I think COVID then has, you know, made another step change, right? Because, you know, the world's facing such extraordinary challenges now that threaten our future. And and companies and the businesses we work with, they're really expected to play quite an active role in addressing these issues and becoming more responsible in, in the way 
they treat their people, the environment, you know, all of that. So I think, you know, one thing that the pandemic sort of seems to be teaching everybody is that our choices really matter. And, and we see that, you know, coming into play in, with the companies that we're sort of connecting with as well. So really a little bit more about they're shifting to creating solutions that are better for customers, their customers, you know, and, and that are having that, that human impact. Yeah, you've definitely been in the midst of really just constant tech changes and advances throughout your, your career. And now we're at a stage where we're seeing AI embedded more broadly in our everyday lives. What do you think has changed the most and what applications in our daily lives are you most excited about? So I'm personally most excited about the applications that can make actually a change for social good um, or human. I, I know I mm-hmm. talked about human impact in the last question as well. Um, I think healthcare, some of the applications we've seen for AI and healthcare, just very, very exciting. You know, in the early stages of COVID, just as an example, um, we know a lot of hospitals and healthcare providers were just inundated with calls. You know, a lot of calls were about just, I have these symptoms, what do I do? Where do I go? And, you know, my team had come together, you know, among other solutions to do things like create virtual agents, you know, that could take up-to-date information from places like CDC and NHS websites and actually guide patients and, and save a lot of call volume and, and save time. You know, we were able to do things with tracking ventilators more effectively in the supply chain. So I think, you know, some of these applications that that can make such a huge difference, right, to the allocation of resources, mm-hmm. you know, to customers, patients, I think I, I find that very exciting. I think the whole, you know, step change that we've seen in using AI for things like environmental monitoring or or energy optimization, or to drive commitments to reduce carbon footprints. I think these sort of applications of AI I find very, very exciting. And I think also now the ability to search a lot of unstructured data, like documents Mm -hmm. and things like that. You know, we've seen even nonprofits, for example, make the most of that and think about their grants and how can they be more gender equitable or, you know, can research from one place be used to impact another? So I think some of these, at least personally to me, I, I really find them very exciting. And you talked a little bit about healthcare. Any other areas besides healthcare and nonprofit that you think will be kind of best fit to change in the next couple of years? Uh, so the one, you know, yes, I do. A couple of them, I think supply chain, uh, whether it's in mm-hmm. manufacturing and whether it's in retail, but just the whole use of AI to provide more visibility across the supply chain, provide better inventory mm-hmm. tracking, better understanding of suppliers and risk. I think all these aspects are, are going to, I think, change a lot um, over the next couple of years. Workforce management and, and things about how do you get back to work more easily, safely. You know, how do you maybe use buildings now a little bit differently, you know, just given how the world's changed with COVID. I, I can definitely see some of these coming up as new applications. And, and like I said, you know, AI for sustainability, for, you know, more responsible aspects as well. I can certainly see that playing a huge role too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing that here at Fortress IQ as well. Definitely how AI is allowing people and organizations to be to be more informed, right? And to yeah. be more to be more important in making the right decisions. 
Great. And going back to, you know, talking a little bit more about non-traditional roles in technology for some of the other young professionals who are listening into our podcast today. Last month, you were featured in an article, Being a Woman in Tech Consulting. We'll, of course, have the article featured in our show notes, so our listeners can go ahead and read it. But the article featured a variety of topics, of course, your career in consulting and technology. So for those that are interested in entering this fast-paced world of technology, especially young women, can you share a bit more about how you see the future roles of AI changing? And also emphasizing on the fact that a role in AI does not necessarily need to be a traditional software development role. So I think to, you know, just grounding back to some of the discussion that we've had around, you know, success in AI is not dependent on the data scientists alone. And I say this being a data scientist, right? And mm-hmm. and it, it is very important to have, you know, your data scientist and your AI practitioner, your software developer. But there are a lot of other aspects. That's one piece of the puzzle, you know, having the right strategy, having the right way to adopt some of the outcomes of, you know, the, the models that are being built or the automation mm-hmm. that is done. I think all of that plays, you know, a very important role in AI. And I think also with the rise of, you know, citizen development and, and low-code, no-code AI, you know, we're going to see the kind of roles expanding out even further. So, you know, if I just kind of think about that, what does that mean? You know, you need somebody who has strategy or advisory skills. You probably need a business analyst who can, you know, be the translator between tech and business and, and actually show the importance of technology to the business. You absolutely need your data scientists, your software developers, your AI practitioners. You may need an automation expert, right, who's who's taking the outcomes that you get and helping automate them. We might be using digital marketing platforms to drive some of the outcomes. So there, there could be some skills there. Design teams, market researchers. So, you know, I think industry expertise, because now industry-specific point solutions are so important. So, Just through this, you know, there's so many roles that women can play in technology, you know, for those who love to code and for those who maybe don't love to code that much as well. And and I also want to say some of the roles that we will see in AI in the future may not even exist today, you know. So, for example, I could see roles coming up along things like legal and governance aspects of how we govern AI, you know, they could be things around like regulatory and compliance policies, you know, as we scale this out more and more. So I think, you know, there could be roles around reducing bias in in mm-hmm. data sets that come in and, you know, how diversity can play just a more key role in AI being more inclusive. So, so I think there are going to be roles coming up that are so exciting that may not even exist today. Yeah, yes, definitely. You touched on this a little bit around gender and women in tech, and we we know that you know women in technology, and more specifically in AI, is still not super commonplace across the industry today. How do you think leaders like yourself in the industry can help encourage more women to consider AI in career? I think our roles are so so critical as as women in AI, and I think there there are multiple routes to which we can encourage women in technology. I think starting from the supply issue, I think all of us know there's a, a supply issue of diversity in tech. And so being able to, for example, do things like create hackathons for, mm-hmm. for it within schools, you know, to get people interested uh, in technology mm-hmm. and, and understanding how to code, you know, 
There's some work I did with Teens in AI, for example, which is you know an organization in the UK that brings together teenagers from all over the world doing hackathons, and you know we mentored the top two solutions that got featured on BBC. And I think. There's a lot of mentorship we can provide externally for women or that you know diverse people from just diverse skill sets or diverse backgrounds, giving them some grounding in AI. So, mm-hmm. for example, you know one of the initiatives I I worked with Correlation One that has a great program that brings women from different backgrounds, you know, gives them a bit of training and pairs them up with industry mentors and and does capstone projects, right? So I think. All of these things, and and probably so many more, right? Be an advocate for women in tech, you know, by speaking engagements, mm-hmm. by doing podcasts like like today. I think all of these play a very key role. And then, not to forget the role within our own organizations of being yeah. allies, being mentors, being sponsors, you know, and and sort of really being that voice and bringing men along the journey too, because. Mm-hmm you know, they they play an equally important role in this as well. Absolutely. And to dive to dive into that a little bit more, what do you think more specifically companies can do to help support and drive that change within their companies and the industries? A lot of things. I think, you know, being involved in some of the initiatives that I talked about, mentoring, yeah. sponsoring, you know, tying up with universities, schools, making a commitment to hire from a broader range of schools and, and backgrounds. I think right up to creating job descriptions that are more gender neutral, you know, mm-hmm. making diversity part of the talent acquisition and recruitment process, you know, thinking through other, you know, obstacles, and I'm taking women as an example, right, face in technology like travel, you know, will we ever be traveling and consulting, for example, 80% of the time after COVID? And, right. and does that open a lot of doors, right? Yeah. Flexible policies around, you know, working weeks and, and part-time working and things like that. And I think right up to providing the mentorship and sponsorship opportunities, you know, within an organization. So, so I, I think there is there is a lot to do, Grace. I feel there's, there's no shortage of things companies can do in this journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely agree with that. Yeah, there's clearly a lot of room to create change and support for other women in and beyond the industry. So for the next generation of... So for me, I'm going to ground to sort of the two pieces of advice that I still stick to, and and they're super simple. I I think it's a quote by Verda Myers. Hopefully I've, I've quoted the right person, but, you know, we talk about people sort of remember how you made them feel, right? They forget what you did and what you said. And, and I still think that's really important for all our future leaders, you know, women or not. I think one thing specifically for women, I think, you know, we tend to focus a little bit more on things that maybe we need to improve and, and we don't tend to focus on our strengths that much, right? And, and you see this also in a lot of job application stats where, you know, a woman will apply to a job if she meets, say, 80% of you know, the job requirements versus, you know, a male counterpart who will do so when they meet like 50%, you know, of the requirements. And I, so I think for women specifically, you know, maximizing your strengths and, and your uniqueness and, and what you bring to the table, I think also, you know, can help you be a future leader. So if I take my own case, you know, I know how to code. I have great conceptual knowledge of data science algorithms, but you know, I would have never been the best coder. I was the best person to drive AI and machine learning in a person's business. And and that was my strength, you 
you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I played to throughout my career journey. And so, you know, everybody has different strengths and, and different interests. And so that's, that's what I would sort of say. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tripti. You've had truly an incredible journey and uh, impact across so many different organizations and industries. And we're very excited to see what's next for you. Thank you so much, Grace. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, thank you both Grace and Tripti for joining in today and sharing your insights. If you like today's episodes, be sure to tune in to the rest of the series available on our website at FortressIQ.com. That's great insight and a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Tripti Sidi, Global Data and AI Center of Excellence lead at Avanade, it's unconscionable that women hold fewer than 25% of all technology jobs. The reasons are not overly surprising. Issues like gender bias and lack of mentors and company culture At the end of the day, there's simply not enough women pursuing careers in tech. Fortunately, times are changing, and some companies like Avanad are taking the necessary steps to attract more female employees, doing things like addressing pay gaps, offering flexible work policies, and implementing programs to help women employees thrive. This episode has been part of our special series on women in AI, and a big thanks to Elizabeth Middleman for spearheading the series and joining the session today, alongside Fortress IQ's Grace Chen. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Tripti, for joining us and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.